you know, learning is more important than earning in many cases. And if you yeah. get if you get the learning, you're getting paid twice. Well, I would love to hop in. The last week you posted um, the uh, you called it Twenty One Club. How would you describe this? Kind of like Twenty One Ways to What? Um, have a better life, basically. Yeah. Yeah, to get what you want and to have a better life. And, and we already talked about one, which was get up by 5 a.m. And and yeah. I think an important distinction there is, and, and certainly you described this already, is they had the 5 a.m. club hashtag on LinkedIn. And all people did was they weren't eating their desserts first. They would post pictures and they were just, they extended their workday. So they got up at 5 said they were productive, but they weren't productive. They just extended their workday by four hours or, or whatever it was. So they'd be in the Starbucks by 5.30 saying, I'm productive. They'd show their laptop. They were just creating a couple hours more stress for themselves. Right. So we already, we talked about that dessert. Um, and and I guess number two goes with that too, right? Give the first hour of every day to you and your dreams. So get up at 5 a.m. and don't look at the screens, right? Don't, don't hop into work. Eat your dessert first. Right. Um, Number three kind of plays into that, right? Read books, not screens. Right. You know, you're going to learn a lot more from a book. But the thing about a book is you settle into it. It's a lot more calmer process. If you're on a screen, there's way too many interruptions. I'm not sure about that light coming at you either, how helpful that is and your awareness and whatnot. But a book you can settle into. It's one topic. It's got some length to it. The feel of a book is good. And it's a slower pace. Just everything, you settle into it. So I think you take a lot more away from a book than you do from screens. And one of my things later on is, is to do fewer things more deeply hmm. than more things shallowly. And that ties in exactly to that. A screen, you're going to end up doing a lot more things more shallowly. And a book is a fewer thing more deeply. Someone posted on LinkedIn today. Uh, he was a client who went through one of my business programs, but he compared life to that that video game Tetris, where the the blocks are falling. He said, "You know, at the beginning of life, they fall slower, but then there's nothing you can do as you go throughout life. It's you got to be more strategic because they're falling quicker, falling quicker." And I commented, I said, "But does it have to be that way, or mm -hmm. is it because, like you say, you're just doing a lot more stuff more shallowly?" Or sh yeah. shallowly, is that a word? You know, know. Yeah, whatever it is. You're doing a lot more stuff shallow instead of doing the deep stuff. So you're almost like clogging the drain. So yeah, things are coming quicker, but you can, heck, the first three are all about slowing down a bit. Yes, yes. And there, we don't have to do so much. Who says we have to do so much? And why not just do the stuff you really care about? Spend more time on that and let some of the other stuff fall away. Why not? Who yeah. says this? Who sets the pace? It's everyone wants to do that. What do you find is the number one reason people say they want to do that and don't? Well, to me, I would say self-discipline. That's I think that's what it comes down to. I, I, this is this is really the core of it. If you can't make yourself do the things that need to be done, you're never going to get your biggest dreams and your biggest desires. That's just a fact. So live with that. Get comfortable with that. Make peace with that. Or develop a stronger self-discipline that makes you do the things you know you need to do to get to where you want to go. Hmm. 
look at a person's life and you can see their self-discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that too is, I mean, if, if you want to get up at 5 a.m., it's not just about getting up at 5 a.m. What do you got to give up to be able to get up at 5 a.m.? Yeah, you got to give an hour earlier. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to say no. We're not staring at the screen till two in the morning. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, study people who, and we talked about this a little bit, who have already achieved what you desire. Sure. Um, I have a great story. I have a guy, he doesn't even know that I studied him. This is a guy named Chuck Woodbury. And he used to drive around in his RV 30 years ago. And he was a newspaper man who instead did travel stories and human interest stories for himself in a newspaper that he printed and published himself called Out West. He put it out once a quarter. And I'd get that thing and I'd save it to Saturday morning at four o'clock, which was my favorite time of the week to read it. And that guy was living my dream. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to own a Winnebago. I wanted to leave corporate. I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to live out West. He was all of it in a package. So, you know, I admired that guy. I read his newspaper. That was part of my morning routine. And I've done all of those things since. I've checked them off the list, every single one of those things. And he was kind of the guy that I looked to as a mentor. We've never spoken, never met, but just because he was doing something that I wanted to do and many things that I wanted to do, that made a huge difference for me because I saw it could be done. I saw how he did it, what he was doing. And I said, you know, I'd like that too. So study people who are doing what you want to do and I could have sped my journey probably by calling them on the phone if I'd have had the nerve to do that and had some conversations with them. So what's wrong with that? You know, I just, it didn't really cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we were, um, I have a private group called the Freedom Circle. And last week we were talking about different ways. There's a variety of free ways to learn from people. And there's local things like score mentorship for businesses. And I, I told people, I said, everyone wants to start a podcast because they think they're going to be the next Joe Rogan and they think they're going to make a ton of money. So one of the reasons I do the podcast is it's free learning for me. Everyone who comes on the podcast, it's, a, it's an hour long class for me selfishly. And then we share it and people listen to it, but. Absolutely. <laughs> I knew that when I, was doing a customer service newsletter for the company. It was the same scenario. I would pick people to interview that, A, my readers would want to know their customer service techniques, but I picked people I was interested in what they were doing too, because exactly that reason. Why can't I learn too when I'm doing the work for somebody else? So, you know, learning is more important than earning in many cases. And if you, yeah. get, if you get the learning, you're getting paid twice. Huh. I love that. <laughs> Number five, question authority every friggin' time. <laughs> when I was 12, I picked up um, a book from Mark Lane about the Kennedy assassination. What's the name of it? I'm 65. I forgot. But <laughs> it was the very first Kennedy book that questioned the narrative. And I was hooked on that. It was some people chase Noah's Ark. That was my thing. That became my thing, and I've got thousands of hours in that. But I learned at an early age that people on television wearing suits look very authoritative and official while they speak total and complete nonsense. 
because I became an expert on that assassination. More than the top 1% of the planet, I guarantee you, because I know people won't put that time in. And that taught me at an early age that if the media and people in suits are telling fairy tales on television, what else isn't real? What else are they lying about? What else is being misspoke, misinformed? So I learned early. I was lucky on that. And that carried me my whole life. I've been a contrarian ever since because I knew I couldn't trust television and news and government and authority because I knew for a hundred percent fact that that story that is presented as the official version is not true. I'll bet my grave knowing that. I'll bet my life knowing that. So that made gave me a degree of certainty that authority and conventional wisdom is is kooky. Anything he studied deeper is different and is publicly portrayed. Yeah, and that's the the next one is laugh at the obvious insanity of conventional wisdom, right? Yeah. Just retirement. What's the whole plan? Get a go to college, get a job, work 40 years, save and invest, hope they don't steal your money and you earned enough money and then retire at 65. That's their plan for your whole life. Give me your life and then we'll give you 10 or 15 good years on the end. That's the whole plan. Clearly, there's got to be a better way than that. But that's the conventional wisdom. And it's so conventional, we teach our kids to do it. So the, the fun of being socially distanced since 1957 is you still go to society, you still visit civilization, but you're detached. You go there, it's like you're on vacation to a different place. You look at it, you jump in a little bit, you come back home, you recharge, you see what you learned and what noticed and what else is crazy, you adjust and you go back again. So you just go back and forth. But you're a visitor, you don't live there. If you live there, those are the guys that can't be quiet for five minutes. Mm. Yeah, it's the old, uh, in this world, but not of this world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 so interesting because having worked in politics in D.C. and the trade association world for decades, you know, I was on the other side of it. And as someone who worked there, I didn't have nefarious intentions and neither did most of the people I worked with. But there were some people who did. Uh, and, and, and when I say nefarious, just driven by ego and and money and, and profits and those types of things. And it's almost the system convinces everyone that there's no one nefarious. It's just, it's just this big tornado. And so you have things like, you know, I worked in big food and it was like, well, you get into this fight and it becomes about the fight. And it's like, well, we would hire scientists to say one thing. And then the other side would hire, quote unquote, scientists to say the other thing. And we each bought our own science. And no one there was like nefarious. But once you wake up, you're like, wait, the outcome is nefarious. Because, you know, the stuff I did with big food, I mean, just look at the data, look around, go to any major city and just look around, look at the last two years and the comorbidities. And it's like... As I tell my wife, I said, listen, I try not to do regrets and I try not to look backwards, but I will spend the rest of my life trying to make up for the, the poisoning that I did with people for years. And uh, I wouldn't consider no, myself. Yeah, no, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I still think the people at the top 
can set the framework for everybody down below. Yeah. Like I look at a big bank, you know, a central bank, the guys, the families that own the central banks have, I say they're nefarious. The leaders of the big banks, I'd say are nefarious. The employees of the banks, no, they're just doing their job and they work within the framework they're given, but the framework leads them places that affects other people negatively while they're just doing their job. Yeah. If it's done back in history, the people who are brainwashed move up. And so they become the presidents and just think that's the way it's done. And, and, you know, I always, I always look at, uh, you know, what last year, two years ago, the FDA finally came out and, and admitted what we all knew that sunscreen leaches into your bloodstream. And for years, everyone said, no, no, no. And then they finally came and said, yes. And, th- and there was nothing because by that point, everyone was programmed. So now right. when you bring up sunscreen, it's like, are you a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat? And it's like, but the right. FDA. So right. that, that's that conventional wisdom based on the authority, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, my answer to people who say that, even say that, those two words, it just drives me crazy is, okay, so... So you won't research. So that makes me a conspiracy theorist. I know everything you know, plus all of the stuff I went out and proactively collected on my own about that topic. And you're pretending like you know more than me. Do some work, then we'll talk. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Number seven, attract a better mate by becoming a better person. Well, if you already have a mate, you know, you're, you're stuck on improving with what you have, right? (laughs) (laughs) People, you know, still out or looking for a mate or a second mate because the first one didn't work out. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Don't you attract what you are? So, you know, if you're a drug addict and an alcoholic and you don't spend money well and you're a criminal that's the element that you run with that's the element that you attract so is that what you want as your mate because that's what you're going to get so set your bar because that's the person you're going to get and and that well and you already said it basically i mean that that applies more to to just your your mate but probably apply it applies in sales it applies in branding it applies in friends certainly family Right, you your know. friends. Yep, absolutely. That's it. It's it's always interesting, you know, as someone who 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 comes from an interesting family background, um, and I and I've told some other people who who have struggled with a similar situation where it's it, it, it almost becomes if you are the sane person in a family of crazy, you're the black sheep. But you also look around and you realized you ever see people saying, "Well, that person's cursed. That family is just cursed." It's because they keep attracting the same stuff that they are, yes. which it proves what you're yeah. saying, right? <laughs> and, it, and it's a negative spiral, so it gets worse. It doesn't stay the same. It gets worse because when you get bombarded with bad stuff all the time, your energy is down, your decision-making goes down. I mean, I think every person is really 50 people inside. It's based on your energy level, your mood, what happened five minutes ago. So the same person can be real snippy and very inspiring. You know, catch them at different times of the day. You're a different person. And, and when, you, when you already do have a mate, and I always tell people, I say, if you're, if you're newly married, keep trying to fix your mate. 
see how that works out. (laughs) Just work on yourself. Work on yourself. (laughs) Just say yes, dear, and get it over with. (laughs) Yeah, one thing, and I still haven't learned, you know, we're 20 years married is, is sometimes... Uh, and and this probably actually goes into uh, nine and ten, uh, which is sometimes people just want you to listen rather than add whatever's rolling around in your head. Which I'll skip to nine and ten, which is don't speak if you can't improve upon the silence and limit your airtime to percentage in the group. If you're one of four, speak twenty five percent or less. But that kind of goes along with that, right? We always want to jump in and fix and fix and fix. Maybe just shut up. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's easier for men because studies say that men speak like 7,000 words a day and women speak like 35,000 words a day. So we say less words. So right off the bat, there's an advantage there. But yes, you know, and, and doing an interview like this too, I'm a little, what's the word, um, concerned because I'm not an expert on everything. Just because I wrote 21 things down doesn't make me an expert on all 21 of them. But it makes me interesting enough, I hope, to explain why I wrote them down and how other people might be able to use them. But So sure, listening, when say less. Less is more. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's wisdom comes through life experiences, whether that's two years of experience or one years of experience. And there's a lot of experts who just, all they do is share other people's memes and they claim they're the experts and um, there's right. a lot different. And, and I know that we can go through this and, and you have stories for each of these and you have, you have examples um, going backward a bit. Uh, Cause we skipped over uh, number eight and we already talked about this, but you easily size up people by their fruits. Ye shall know them. We talked about that a little bit in the kind of patterning your life after certain people, but how do you do that? on a daily basis and do it politely. <laughs> well, you're always doing it quietly. You're not saying, hey, you're this, this, and this, because next thing you know, you're going to have a fist in your nose, you know. Um, but you do it quietly, and it's perspective. And with experience and age comes perspective. And it's just easy with perspective to look at people, see where they are, size them up. And that helps you better respond to them, not get trapped or in trouble with any of them, um, and decide if you want to work with them, decide how much you're going to spend talking to them. You know, some people, it's a waste of time to talk to, not because they're bad people, but because they're too far in their own head that you know they're not going to hear you. So if you size that up quickly, you're not going to spend 15 minutes talking about something that they're not going to hear. Yeah. So it's perspective. And this is the sad thing. The people with the least expect perspective don't know any of that. Hmm. The people with the most perspective do know it. So they have a big advantage walking into a room, walking into a crowd, because they can see what other people can't see. Um, and the various people can easily take advantage of people that way too. You can use that power for good or bad. But to me, perspective is a friend because it helps me better apply myself around people. People are wild cards. People are wild cards. You don't know what you have. 
So the better you can size them up, the less hassle your life is. I love that. I love that. Uh, and I love number 11. Ditch the suit and tie. This is the attire of conformity, not comfort. Right. Yeah, I wore that suit 15, 20 years, you know, because I had to. As a manager, that was the deal. Fine. But it always got thrown in the corner, you know, at the end of the day. And then I climbed into jeans and flannel. I like flannel, as you can see. Um, sweatshirts, easy comfort work. So compromise is gets old after a while. We go through our whole lives compromising. And your dress code is a compromise. It shouldn't be. It's your clothes. It's you. Wear what you want to wear. And if you work at a place where you can't do that, well, figure out a way to not work there. If it's that important to you, you know, it's a compromise. So your whole life is a process of getting rid of compromises. So you're doing the things you want to do as much as you can. That's the journey. I always, I always think about all the illusions that are just created out of nothing, right? In, in our society that then become the norm, the conventional wisdom. Um, and the suit and tie is one thing, but even going way back, right? To Genesis, we were naked and happy. Yeah. Right? Until the rules and regulations came along and then suddenly we needed to be clothed. But then you think about it and it's, it's, it's somehow dirty to see someone in their underwear. But I was at the pool the other day and swimsuits are okay, which are in many cases as skimpy or skimpier than underwear, but that's fine. Right. But underwear, it's all an illusion. I mean, this tie, I mean, we had powdered wigs. Where did that go? Right. You know? And so when you, when you have context to it, it's just all an illusion, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's back to your conventional wisdom. It's the conventional wisdom on clothing. It's nuts. There's all kinds. Look at anything more closely from a detached, calm mind, and you can see insanity just about everywhere. The next one I would consider part of that which is screw, creden screw credentials, just do it. Oh no, but you don't understand. How do we measure? How do we measure? And I, you know, our kids homeschool or our, we homeschool our kids, all four. And, and we were original homeschoolers, not the new homeschoolers from the last two years. Well, what about this? What about this? I said, Abraham Lincoln, you know, you know, doctors used to be apprentices, you know, engineers. And I'll talk to architects who say, yeah, it's a complete joke. I spent years learning from someone who hasn't actually done architecture maybe ever or for decades to get credentials from that person by the way using everything's digital now using equipment that no one has used in 10 years so i have to relearn everything when i get the actual job right. um but how do we how do we separate then mike how do we separate who's real and who's not and who's qualified and who's not won't there be chaos won't there be absolute chaos and people dying in the streets if we don't credential people by their fruits she shall know them <laughs> simple as that now if you're a doctor or you're a brain surgeon you know or you're a lawyer you know maybe the credential comes in but there's not a ton of those people in the world no one ever asked me for my high school diploma i never went to college nothing stopped me there my daughter we paid half her college and she didn't use her major after a year and it got her a job on a cruise ship and now she's owns my trailer park. So 
she did interior design. You know, she's helped design some things in our house. So there's some value here and there. But the idea is, is that most people don't use their degrees anyway, as far as college goes. So you can talk your way into anything. That's the deal. Why spend a year or four years to get a piece of paper when a paragraph of spoken word with a little enthusiasm and vigor behind it can do the same thing? Just do it. Just get in there and do it. Jump in and do it. And if you don't know, you, you keep working until you know. It's just do it. Do something, adjust, learn, do it again, adjust. How hard is that? And the flip side of that, kind of connecting 12 and uh, number five, is that there are people who are so addicted to trusting credentials because it creates authority. Right. that they will follow credentialed people right off a cliff. I mean, I have relatives who have doctors right. who, I'm sorry, I have more nutritional training than these doctors and they're literally killing my relatives. But they right. will not listen to me. Why? I don't have the credentials. Well, he's sure. a doctor. Sure. And sure. yeah. <laughs> well, we see that with our own kids, right? You'll tell your kid 10 times the same thing and they hear it from a stranger and it matched what you say. Um, then they believe that. You know, because they know you too well. But Jesus said you can't be a, a prophet in your own town, you know? You know, so sometimes an expert needs to be somebody you don't know to people, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, and, and it, I laugh when I read this because the first two words are doubt science, which to me, I'm repeating myself, right? Science is about doubt, but. Doubt science, politicians, media experts, doctors, leaders, and the status quo. Behind it all is people. People are fa fallible. People are corruptible. Yes. Um, what's an easy way to say? Well, of course, you know, the magic virus, we won't go into that, but that has exposed a lot of that everywhere. There's been information on all sides of the spectrum, um, and much of it's wrong. So uh, my... My scenario on that is people are wild cards. If you run into a jerk on a public bus, that jerk works for somebody. And where he works, he's probably an authority on something, right? Mm -hmm. He probably has a credential at that job for doing that thing of authority, but he was still a jerk, you know? So people are not just what they do and what they know. They're they're how they behave, what their character is, what's their scruples, their morals, all of those things. Um, I think the people in America do not appreciate the mobster mentality of there's a simplicity of getting control of anybody using two things. You put a million dollars on the desk on the left side, and you put a revolver on the right side, and you tell people, and I don't do this, of course, and I'm not high enough in the world to have encountered this, but this is my theory of how people get controlled at the top. Is they're given that choice. It's as simple as that. You take the money, or we're going to use the gun on your family. And they succumb to it. And that's what it takes to control people at the top, and it's as simple as that. So I'm saying that people are corruptible, mm -hmm. and that all the way to the top. It's that simple. Did someone threaten Donald Trump? Did someone threaten senators or congressmen? Did someone threaten Dr. Fossey? Did they blackmail them? Did they 
Do they have something on them or did they just buy them? Did they just give them millions of dollars? It's as easy as that. So we can't openly trust because we don't know everything about the person. So if it affects you, I like to become an expert on something if it's important to me. I don't need to be an expert on small stuff. I can trust little stuff. I drive my car. I expect it not to explode. But, you know. On the magic virus, you damn sure I put thousands of hours into that to, to decide if I'm going to put a shot in my body, which I did chose not to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how we do that every day. We, they're doing construction here. And as you come into Oak Creek Canyon here, which is one of the most beautiful places, and I'd never heard of it. I, oh my gosh, I can't. Actually, don't come here because it's too crowded. So don't come here. <laughs> but at, they're doing construction and there's switchbacks as you go up. And people complained about them doing construction. I'm like, well, I kind of like them to check it out every once in a while, right? Because we've seen things, but they have it open and they're steel girders. And so it starts, you know, normally you just drive across it and you don't even think that there are humans that you're relying on for you not to fall into the gorge. And like, remember Minneapolis a couple of years ago, remember that bridge? And so now they've opened it up and they've opened it up again, can seal the girders. And I said to my wife, I said, I don't like having to think about that. But it's interesting how we trust in, we trust follow, fallible people, corruptible people, yes. every day of the week. And, and then I start to think about the whole can of worms about, well, who should be in charge of building roads and bridges and what are the incentives? Because incentives matter. Whether that incentive is a gun or, it's, or it's, it's just it's money and votes and power. And, you know, we all have incentives at some point. And I guess there's certain ones you just you just don't want to think about. Otherwise, you'd never leave the house, right? You're always relying on other people in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, people are wild cards. Yeah. There was something that you said um, regarding... Oh, I, I know what it was. One of the things that, that, that is so interesting is... And this is, uh, this is my opinion, right? These are our opinions here. I'm sure we'll get flagged on Spotify right. or something. Right. But, you know, I don't like masks, right? the the COVID masks. Right. And so there was the court ruling from the 30-something-year-old judge in Florida. Now, it's interesting that I may happen to like the end result of that court ruling, which is don't wear masks. But the most interesting thing to me about it was all the people who were very aggressively pro-mask during complained about the court ruling that said people don't have to wear masks. Yeah. But then if you go on a plane, it's almost 100% of people not wearing masks. So, you know, mixed in there is maybe half the people or 30% of the people who were demanding mandates to force them to wear masks. But now because of a judge they don't like says it. And so it's this whole thing of, authority and credentials and i don't like that judge but then all of a sudden uh, employing super metaphysical powers to people on a bench because they wear a black robe and were appointed by a politician you don't like it's very interesting to me you know it's obvious that people who are vehemently pro-mass are not wearing them because they're not forced to by another person and it's man someone's got a Someone will write it. Maybe someone will write a, a psychology book about this. <laughs> and, and why would you force somebody else to do something anyway? You know, that's the thing. I've found that the best people are live and let live, and they don't want to force or have power over anybody. 
it's uncomfortable to have power over people. I, I don't like that. And the, after 17 years as a landlord in the mobile home business, you know, I didn't like that. I didn't like having the power. Well, you can't paint your house green because it's not neutral enough or you can't have a dog. I hated when I got put in those positions where I had power over somebody. I wasn't searching that out. Those were the most uncomfortable times for me. Is So I think that people that have their crap together, they just want to live and let live. I don't want to tell somebody else what to do. If you want to wear a mask, great. If you think it works, great. Don't make me do it. Well, I think the key there is people have their stuff together because uh, I find that, over, especially over the last two years, there's this... this you see it on even LinkedIn, whatever, and people, you know, with freedom comes responsibility. And really, I find 100% of the time the people who are saying that, um, it's not about actual responsibility for oneself. It's, I want you to take an action that I want you to do to make me feel safer. And usually it's by people who don't have their act together, who have one or five of the comorbidities, no. who uh, don't have their act together. And so... And by the way, they're not having power because they're just saying, judge, yeah. you enforce it. And then punch his pilot, right? My hands are cl my hands are clean. Oh, yeah. You'd never put a gun to your neighbor's head and said, give me all your money. But you'd, or you'd ask the government to take more taxes from your neighbor for you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then it's, like, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it, you know? Right. <laughs> There's no accountability or responsibility all around. So it's consistent. All right. Number 14, pay attention to the 10%. 90% of humanity are drifters. The only, they only parrot what they were told. Smile, nod, and ignore their advice. Yeah. I mean, that we've covered that pretty well, I think, is that the people that believe the status quo, the conventional wisdom, authority, credentials, um, they may feel like they're doing the right thing and they're safe, but their advice is going to get them what society is getting. And if you look at society, most people have not achieved their biggest desires. So really, the first thing you have to do to achieve what you want is to be willing to step out of society on a multiple number of things. So why would you listen to society that makes you go backwards. Your whole idea is to get out of society in a detached manner. You can still love them. You can still visit them. But I sure wouldn't listen to them. Yeah, yeah. There's been a, a couple of pieces of the 10% rule that you write here, but uh, Daryl Amy, who, who wrote the uh, Revenue Growth Engine, posted a few months ago. He said his mentor once told him the 10% rule, like 10%... Uh, pay attention, 10% sign up, then 10% show up. Meaning like for any event you do, for any coaching program, it's just 10% of 10% of 10% of 10%. And that's borne out for me back when I was doing advocacy and email work. It's just that 10% of 10% of 10%. And then uh, my mentor now who's, who's in sales and everything, he says, you know, I used to call it the law of the jungle was 80-20. You know, where if I do a boot camp with 30 people, he does boot camps, sales boot camps. He said, you know, 20 people would do, 20% of the people would do the work. He said, now it's 90, 10. So that 10% rule seems to bear out. Huh. And I think one of the most frustrating things is trying to, and this happens, you know, with people who are in the helping uh, profession, say they're a coach or, or a trainer or something like that, 
is spending their time trying to convert someone who's deep in the 90%. And and it's just like beating your head against the wall. And there are some people who are on the border of like 89 and 90, you know, or like right near the 10%. And some of them will fall in. They'll become buyers. Sometimes they're remorse buyers. Um, But it, it can be frustrating if you don't understand this and just kind of let go with it that, you know, even Jesus, I tell people, Jesus wasn't into convincing and converting. They said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, remember he went up to, hey, by the way, you, you, if you want to follow me, it's going to be horrible. Your family's going to leave you. There's going to be no food. We're going to beg from town to town. But if you're in, okay. Right. He tried to convince people not to follow him, right? <laughs> it's the 10%. It was even 12, right? And one of them, well, I can't remember. Was there 13 and then Judas or was there 12 and then Judas? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it was around 10%, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough slug. So that's once again sizing up people is how long do you want to sell them or try to convince them or whatever, you know, you save a lot of time if you can size them up quicker. Yeah, right. Uh, 15 and 16, I'm going to combine a little bit. Sure. Be audacious enough to realize you're often the smartest person in the room because you're self-educated and aware. And I think this goes with it perfectly. Never let a mouse make you doubt you're a giant. Right. Right. Well, you know, we see it on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people that teach stuff as they're learning it. And, you know, that's a great way to learn is to try to teach, you know, because that's, that's, that helps you go faster. But if you really want quick results, I would prefer to go to somebody who actually achieved and did the things rather than was learning it as they're teaching it. You with me? Um, So, You clearly don't want one of those people to make you feel inadequate when you know more than they do you know, on the topic. And when you walk into a room, I think that the world has lost far more potential by people being unconfident and timid than arrogant. Mm-hmm. So I think we're not arrogant enough um, when we know the things that we know. I think we're still we're too modest. You know, we're taught to be humble. You know, if you want to achieve something, you have to believe you can do it. And if you believe you can do it, there's nothing wrong with acting as if, talking, offering advice, having clarity, confidence. So, you know, if I go into a room with people talking about JFK, you know, I'm, I know they, somebody has to be really special to know more about that topic than me. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't mean that I'm never going to learn a new thing about that information again. I will still listen, but I'm going to go in there and size them up and see and go, yeah, I'm the smartest one in the room on this. And that helps me on how I deal with everybody from then on. And, and to number 17, which is don't cast your pearls before swine if they don't get you next. If, some, if, you start ta- if someone asks you about JFK or you start talking about JFK and they don't get you or they think yeah. you're a conspiracy theorist or, or it's just too much noise, right? You just right. say next. Right. As soon as they said Oswald did it, you know, I'm out. You know, I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. Because it's, they have too far of a journey to travel. So... I can't, I can't bring them from A to Z. I've done a post on that, the knowledge scale. 
it gets lonely when you become an expert on a topic because every topic has a knowledge scale of A to Z. Most people are on A, B, or C. So if you're on L or M, you sound really strange to the people at the beginning of that scale that haven't looked into it. And you get much farther than M, you start sounding like a wacko to them. And they're going to ask you for the fruits of your labor. They say, well, who killed Kennedy? Well, I stopped telling people that because they can't, they didn't make the journey I made. They can't grasp it. So I say, you know, you're going to have to do your own research, but it's an inside job. That's the way I leave it. 100% it's an inside job and you go look at it yourself. I might recommend a couple books, but... Um, so that knowledge scale makes it lonely. You know a lot about nutrition. When you talk to people about, you know, if you eat Kellogg's cornflakes, it causes this. They're going to scratch their head and go, I don't believe that. I've been eating cornflakes my whole life. Right. Because they're on A, B on that knowledge scale, and you might be on M or S or T. They can't, they, they didn't make that journey, and you can't give them that journey and sound blades. Yeah, or they, they, Going from A to B is too much work for them, and so it scares them, and so they just trust the credentialed authority figure who tells them that cholesterol is the key to heart disease, and they see me eating steak and bacon, and I don't even debate anymore because right. it's like, well, it would take 13 years right. to explain to them. <laughs> they think you're the dummy. Right. Right. And that's yeah. fine. I, you know, I've learned to just, you know, and, and, and part of this, and I think a common theme through many of these is like when we started homeschooling, we got, uh, we girded our loins in terms of ready for battle. We're going to get so much data to be able to fight back. And now we've come to the point where we're like, yeah, go talk to our kids. If you think they're dumb, okay. And everyone right. walks away with, holy cow. I mean, my daughter is 16. She's starting a new job today. She's already learned over the last year how to get out of a toxic job without feeling guilty, how to quit a job, which by the way, to me, is more and how to quit it gracefully yeah. Um, and not just based on laziness and to have that discernment between I feel lazy and I'm letting people down and this guy's a jerk and toxic and I'm going to leave. But she's got new jobs, learning customer service, learning sales, learning patience, working a cash register, stuff I never learned. And I, I would throw the change at people, right? And well, we have a coin shortage, so we can't have change now, you know, but, 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 and, but, even then people will see our kids and we're like, and then it's just like, okay, I, I just, I don't, why do I need, I don't get a trophy at the end of this. If you're going to pay me money for debating you, maybe I'll consider it, but then you know, that, forget it. You're, you're more of a patriot in America by homeschooling your kids than just about anybody. I mean, I've had neighbors with homeschooled kids and if I was facing it again, I didn't know what I didn't know back when I had kids, but I certainly would homeschool for sure. If we wanted to change America in 10 years, homeschool all the kids. I mean, that would fix all kinds of things quickly. But yeah, they're way more advanced at homeschool and with skills that they can use. They're away from the toxic kids in school, the fashion pressure, the all of that. There's so much stuff that is nothing that's anti-education. Half their day is just crap that hurts them not help them so just keeping them home protects them from all of that yeah. if you don't teach them anything but of course they learn the things that they need to know and there's all kinds of curriculums out there now yeah so you step into it you follow the curriculum i mean and they follow you know we we were using curricula for a while and, and stopped and we let them follow their interests now and and i talked to my wife i'm like 
how do they know this stuff? Because we started with reading. And reading leads to everything else. Yeah. And so they know math. We signed them up for a, uh, what was it, out school was this thing that popped up. It was probably there before the pandemic, but it's like either out of work teachers because of the pandemic or who want to make extra money or people who just have are experts in something, right? I'm an artist. I'm going to teach kids to draw, you know? So we signed them up for some of that. And one of them was a math thing. And there were kids on there who were on out school because they were pulled out of the school. So they had gone through the school system up to that point. And we've, we've never really taught our, sat down with a curriculum and taught our kids math. So we were in a cabin up in Georgia and I'm downstairs and I can hear the zoom call up there and I can hear consistently my kids are the first ones to answer questions. And afterwards I asked my wife, I said, where the hell did they learn that? <laughs> She's like, I have no idea. But it's amazing. It's not that we ignore our kids and like the, the, the college athlete who is ignored and passed and then can't read when he's 21. It's that our kids read and then live. Right. You know, but I would never tell someone, and this is, this kind of goes to the, to a number of these factors that you said, which is, listen, we're sharing our opinions here. Right. But I was, I was talking to my wife the other day that it's funny when, when people ask you a question and it's pretty quick you can pretty quickly find out that they asked you the question because they want to debate you on it. But they'll ask a question, could be on health, could be on schooling, could be on something. And they immediately, after you tell them the answer, they immediately jump in. And you can tell that A, they're not an expert, they don't have their stuff together, that they want to debate, but it's, it's coming from probably a place of low self-esteem rather than high self-esteem, which is, no, 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 you need to do this. And it's like, oh, I, I've just started, okay. And I just, I, like, I have relatives who do that. And I say, okay, thanks. And I just walk away. Right. Like, I can't even. You sized them up. Yeah, exactly. Took me, <laughs> took me 40 something years to learn to do that and not sit and debate. And it's like, my, my, my hair is gray enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Subject yourself to it. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. 18. And, th and this is one that I get people fighting back on. And, and I think this goes back to them seeing their authority figures saying, if you're sleeping, so sleep eight hours, at least eight hours every night. And, but I, my authority figure said, if you really want to be successful, you're wasting time by sleeping. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger has one of these viral speeches where he says there's 24 hours in a day. If you're sleeping eight hours, that's only 16. That's why I win. Uh, Damon John the other day, to, oh, I've been flying around four hours of sleep, three and a half. I'm getting up and doing it all over again. So why do we need eight hours of sleep? And, and, and why are people, I don't want to say wrong, but, but what would you say to someone who says, well, no, I function just fine on three or four hours of sleep? Well, it's, it's, it's your whole mental and physical and spiritual reset. You know, you get to drop the residue of the prior day. We still don't know where we go when we sleep. There's theories, there's all kinds yeah. of things. Um, but whatever it does is it recharges us, it erases us, it resets us so that we can wake up fresh. So if you wake up less than fresh, then there's less of you. And the less that you have of yourself, the less you can give to others. So why not start a day as good as you can? You know, let Arnold work 24 hours around the clock. If that's what he wants, fine, he'll win. Let him win. He can have whatever he wants. But I have enough, and I, 
you know, if I sleep nine hours or 10 hours, I don't care. And yeah, there's nights I do six or seven, depending on things, but sleep is needed. It's fun. It's effortless. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people say, well, so-and-so is successful because they, because they sleep four hours a day. I said, what if you just replace that with despite sleeping four hours a day? Because yeah. you don't know what their potential is. Discipline and quote-unquote hard work can make up for a lot, but maybe you're driving with one foot on the brake. <laughs> well, and you, everything in your body and your mind is invisible. So if, if they're calling them success by some outer thing, they can't see inside their body and mind. They may be a mess. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't want to live in that guy for five seconds, maybe if you felt how it was in his body and his mind. So fine, something has to give. You know, something something's given somewhere. Just because it's invisible doesn't mean it isn't there. And you know, you never know with with these people and, and anyone now with social media, they could be miserable people. They could have anxiety attacks during the day. Uh, or, you know, like some people we've mentioned have completely destroyed their marriages, you know, right. and, and people who do that usually aren't super happy people. Right. So you never know what's going on right. behind people the people are wild cards. <laughs> right. There we go. That's the that's the common theme here. <laughs> Number 19, spend time with your creator. To me, I, I almost think that if, if you don't know how to do that, why to do that, or that you even have a creator, I think that that's probably a thing that you should put really close to the top of your list because it, it helps you discover who you are. Hmm. Um, and it's hard for you to achieve what you want if you don't know what you are. And, you know, everybody, these are opinions. I happen to believe I'm a piece of God. I believe we're all a piece of God. Obviously, we were created. This whole magnificent place couldn't have happened by accident. Um, and are there other magnificent places? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's zillions of them. Maybe we're the only one. Who knows? A to Z again on that whole topic. So, hmm. um, I think Earth is temporary. And so, I think you should put some time into what happened before you came here and what happens after you go leave here. I think that's worthwhile study. So, to me, I like to contemplate my creator and connect and feel that I'm part of it. I go so far as to say that all there is is God, and we are all inside God, a part of God. So if we are inside God, what do we have to fear? Hmm. So, As above, so below. In his image. You know, we were made in his image, it says. So you're a part of him. You're not the God, like, you know, Bill Murray said in Groundhog Day. I'm not the God. I'm a God. <laughs> <laughs> all gods because we're all a part of God. That's the way I see it. So I think it's important to spend time with your creator. It's interesting that I, I know some people who would def, who would identify themselves as atheist or, or, or certainly deeply non-religious who actually spend more time with their creator in what they consider their creator than people who consider themselves deeply religious, which, which is probably another A to Z and quantum yeah. physics discussion, but uh, is very interesting in that regard. They they contemplate more about before, after, during, 
power, energy, and those things than some people who just fast on Fridays and call it a day. (laughs) Number 20, and I think this goes along with 19, right? It's it's appreciate everything, good or bad. Yeah, if, if, if life is a lesson, if life is a journey, if life is experience, then all you're really getting, good or bad, is feedback. And feedback helps you grow, helps make your life better. So it's possible to appreciate the bad things because they're going to nudge you and push you into something that's better down the road. And I've had my share of adversity like many, almost, well, like everyone has. So um, I, with my perspective and age and being on the other side of a lot of bad adversity, I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. If I was to go through life again, I would try to appreciate it more as it happened than mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Number 21. Share valuable content. Like you're doing here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's what I do, you know. All you know is what you know over your years. And if some of it helps somebody else and you share it, that's a good thing. I always think that the you know, reading a book, you can in eight hours, you can capture the experience of a person's lifetime. So why wouldn't you do that? You know, talk about a great investment of time and resources, you know, a few bucks, a book, eight hours, and you gain the experience of someone who achieved something that you wanted to do. What could be a better investment than that? So it takes people who know things and have experienced things, sharing those things to give others those shortcuts. Hmm. So we all, if we have something valuable, it's all good for us to, to try to share that without jamming it down their throats, of course. Suggest, don't demand. Yeah. Well, Mike, I want to share, I want to thank, I want to share you. I am sharing you. I want to thank you for sharing your valuable content today and the stories and the 21 club and the, 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 the story, my favorite story about the, the folding chairs and, and thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. And if, and, and where, where you share your content, it's free. Uh, it is valuable content. It's very entertaining. I see it on LinkedIn, but a lot of times you link over, can you, can you share your website? I think you have a, maybe it's down to one, but you have a few different websites out there. Where can people enjoy your content? Yeah, I would send them to jeansandadog.com. Jeans and a jeans with a J, not G E N E. Blue jeans, yeah. Jeansandadog.com. That's basically my life, my lifestyle. And it's got 341 posts on it so far, and I'm always adding to them. Well, thank you for that. And, and Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Good to have you. Thanks. 